0: stories, discussions about faith, life, and Jesus. I'm your host, Ashley Hall, and today I have my good friend, Kelsey Turner, with me. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you. Uh, So we'll go ahead and get this little intro out of the way. Um, Hello, everybody. If you're listening today for the first time, we would like to welcome you to the podcast. And if you haven't done so already, uh, we would like to invite you to go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast and maybe even leave a review. We have a lot of wonderful stories recorded already from people from our church, so feel free to browse all the previously recorded episodes. And um, if you feel so inclined, maybe share your favorite episode on your favorite social media platform, whether that be Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Um, The more uh, attention we bring to the podcast, the more likes and shares and subscribes that we get. It just brings more attention to the podcast and helps us get the word out about what we're doing And hopefully we'll just bring more and more people closer to Jesus. That's the whole point of why we're doing this. So without further ado, Kelsey, we like to start off with something kind of silly. So what is something about you that a lot of people might not know? Um, Well, there's plenty of things that people would not know.
1: Uh, but the first thing that came to mind is how weird I am about food <laughs> and eating it. I am very like everything has to be symmetrical, including my food. And so when I like if I cut off a piece of chicken, I have to cut it in half, eat one piece on one side <laughs> of my mouth and one piece on the other side of my mouth.
0: Wait. It's not just cutting it, it's chewing it.
1: Yes. No, it's the chewing that's really the problem. Oh, dear. And then, like, if Josh comes, like, my husband, if he comes and takes a piece off my plate, then he knows that, like, I am unresolved for the rest of the day <laughs> because I did not. I have to, like, cut another bite, like, differently to make it even. I definitely
0: did not it's very know weird. this about you. And yes. I mean, how many meals have we We've set had a lot of meals from you each know? other. Yeah. And I've never noticed you do this. So you know. you're kind of sneaky about it. Well, it's
1: not something you really advertise to the world. Like, hey, guys, did you know I'm super
0: weird and I can't eat my
1: food normal?
0: So how long have you been doing this?
1: I honestly don't know when I started, but I can't remember a time that I didn't do it. Like, I don't, I don't have any memories of this, like, from childhood or anything, but definitely, like into adulthood, high school. Like I remember being weird about it.
0: That is so funny. Yeah. (laughs) I never have seen you do it. So you definitely hide it really well. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, about Josh and the kids first, before we get into everything? Yeah. So who are you? What do you do? What's going on with you? I am
1: Kelsey Turner. I'm married to Josh Turner and we have three kids. We have Lincoln, Scarlett, and Wells, who are six, four, and a year and a half. And I am a hairstylist by trade, but I only work three days a week now. So, you know, part-time stylist,
0: part-time slash full-time mom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you say only, it's like, what do you mean only? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you have three kids and you can even step outside of your house, yeah. I'm applauding you. <laughs> it does
1: honestly. It feels like the perfect amount of time to like be my own person, but then more of my time is at home, like with the kids and having that time. So it's a nice little balance, at least for this season of life. But yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. So you've cut my hair for over eight years. Oh probably. Oh gosh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean Stanley's seven. <laughs> yeah. So definitely before then. It's so wild. Yes. And do you remember the very weird way that I you? Yes, I, met you? I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How creepy I was. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Another fun fact about me, I worked at Chick-fil-A for like a million years. So <laughs> strangers randomly sometimes recognize me because they saw me at Chick-fil-A every day. <laughs> but like,
0: don't I know you? Yeah. I was like, well, if you had an addiction to Chick-fil-A, then you probably do yes, know me. Yes, <laughs>
1: because I have no recollection of this event, but... You liked my hairstyle and asked me if you could take a picture of it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let me let this stranger take a picture of me. (laughs) And then you recognized me when you guys came to Red Hills for the first time.
0: Yeah. And I was mortified because (laughs) I was like, she probably thinks I'm the creepy person who took. I I literally was 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 so stalkerish
1: yeah, but I was so naive that I was just like, what a compliment. Yes, You can have totally have a picture of my hair. It was great.
0: Well, cause we walked in and I was like, you know, th- you know, you know, the saga and the lifelong struggle that it mm-hmm. is my, that it is my hair. So, cause this is why I come to you to, to get it cut because it's like a therapy session. Every time I need to come get my hair cut with you, I complain about my hair all the time to you. Yes. So I finally, I finally saw you and I was like, she has the perfect hair. And I, I was like, like hitting Justin. Justin. I was like, this is, it. that's her. This is the girl. She has the perfect hair. Oh my God. And so I was like, I have to talk to her.
1: <laughs> of course I you had kidding. no qualms about just like
0: coming to talk to me because of that. And then I, I love it. very creepily asked you if I could take a picture of your hair yeah. and you were so sweet. And then Yeah. Now, now we're like really good friends. Yes. Here we
1: are. That is life. (laughs) That is Tallahassee life, especially.
0: (laughs) Okay. Which, well, thank you for, for, um, letting me be a creepy stalker. Anytime. Okay. So Kelsey, what is your story? Um, you want to start with early memories like where you're from you were just about you well were yeah I was to gonna say like yeah so like
1: speaking of Tallahassee being you know the smallest town ever that is where I am from born and raised my parents came for college and tried to get out a few times but ended up settling here in Tallahassee so um
0: they say Tallahassee is like a black hole you always they say you like that, that
1: but then I feel like there's tons of people I grew up with that like couldn't wait to get out and did get out so
0: I don't know and they didn't come back no. Oh, good for
1: them. Yeah, good for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm here, never left.
0: <laughs> well, I chose Tallahassee, so yeah. I say...
1: I, listen, I say all this, but I love Tallahassee. I feel like it's been a great place to grow up. Um, it's a, a good size for me, you know, not too big, not too small. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up with a very large family. I am number six of seven children, which is a lot. And if you're wondering, my parents were not Mormons, but they were (laughs) Catholics. (laughs) There you go. Yes. Um, And I always had a good relationship with my parents as a kid. Um, I feel like, especially being a parent now, looking back, we all played sports. We all played baseball, softball, like growing up. And then people were traveling and then playing three sports or more and like just so much stuff. And I never remembered my parents like not being there. Like, I don't know how my mom stayed home until my younger brother started school. And it's like, how did you guys do all that you did? Like, it's just, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. I I have
0: two and I can barely function. Yeah.
1: I'm like, (laughs) we will not be doing any other sport. T-ball is it. And that's a lot, you know, it's like an hour, you know, but they were always there. And, um, yeah. And I think we had a really good like faith foundation from my parents. Um, when they first got married, they were still Catholic both of them grew up like going to Catholic school, kindergarten through high school and um, the the craziest thing is that my mom got saved because she stumbled upon Benny Hinn on the TV oh <laughs> yeah
0: one of those
1: one of those <laughs> but it also just goes to show like God's grace knows no bounds like he can use whatever he wants to use and if the Holy Spirit you know, wants to to get your heart, he'll get you, you know? Yeah, (laughs) that's so cool. Yeah, so my mom got saved, and then she kind of, like, brought my dad in. And then because of their Catholic background, my mom really felt like the relational aspect of Christianity, which is what she had really missed out on, not that you can't have that in Catholicism, but she didn't. Um, She went to the very opposite extreme, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we grew up in super – charismatic churches. So, you know, lots of prophecy, speaking in tongues, a lot of focusing on the gifts. Um and I feel like it was definitely there were a lot of good things about it and then a lot of things that I, you know, you see some weird things when you grow up in charismatic churches. So um yeah. So we kind of moved to the opposite direction. But I don't, I never really remember when I actually accepted Jesus. It feels to me like it was always just like never a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking for a while, like I didn't really have a testimony because like I just like grew up in a family and whatever. And then, uh, well, and I think you and Lila even touched on this in your initial like intro <laughs> episode about uh, this season, but It really is like your whole story, your life, even like God's faithfulness to my parents and to the family. And my mom talks about like her grandma was a Christian and like she think my mom really believes that like we're Christians because her grandma was praying for us, you know? And I feel like there is just that legacy and that story and like our testimony is God's faithfulness throughout our life and not like a salvation moment, you know? Right. It doesn't have
0: to be for everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even though I didn't have some big moment, like I said, I don't, I honestly don't even remember, (laughs) but honestly, like, that's a blessing too, that like, there's never been a moment in my life that I didn't feel like I, I knew God. Wow. Um, so yeah. I love that. Yeah, (laughs) it is. That's beautiful. I mean, there's definitely moments like everybody kind of goes through, seasons I feel like where you're kind of like reevaluating everything and I think the first time that I had that moment was like middle school where it was like do I actually believe this stuff like that was the first like real moment that I remembered and I remember being at a charismatic church of course it was a church camp and they had a whole like burn service mm-hmm. of, like about this. so burn service. Basically, it was like bring all your sinful things, and we will okay. literally yeah. set it on fire. You know, yeah.
0: yeah. And I a little, remember a little bit of a, a trend, maybe not <clears throat> maybe not trend. That's too too strong of a word, but there was a time, like in the late '90s, early mm-hmm. 2000s, when a lot of Christians were like doing things like this in yes. these groups. Well,
1: and I think a lot of people were reacting from everything that had happened in the '60s, '70s, '80s, like some of the sexual revolution and some of this stuff, like people were kind of swinging to the opposite extreme because they were, you know, wanting to protect as best they could. And so mm-hmm. there was this extreme, like anything secular, like burn it all. You yeah. Know? So
0: the parents <clears throat> who were teenagers in the 60s, 70s. Yes. Were they're reacting children yes. in the nineties and two thousands. So they're wanting to like mm-hmm. teach their kids that everything in the world is bad. Yeah. And if it's secular, we need to burn it. Right. Basically. So,
1: yeah. and my parents didn't necessarily like teach that to me. Like the burn service was for sure a youth group thing and not a parents <laughs> thing. But my parents were really strict about a lot of things. Like we could not watch a lot. Like anything that had magic in it was Satan's TV. Like even
0: like Disney magic.
1: Well, for yeah, bibbidi bobbidi boom. No, we could watch Cinderella, but <laughs> Care Bears was not allowed
0: Care Bears because there's magic. Sounds pretty demonic to me. Um, Cabbage Patch That's dolls, a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Care
1: Bears. We weren't allowed to use uh, or play with Cabbage Patch dolls, no. But this, I, I don't,
0: where, we, what is it about Cabbage Patch? Okay, so I totally
1: missed that. Well, this is why I think we actually couldn't. I know <laughs> I talked to you about the, um, amazon documentary about um the iblp bill gothard like the group that the duggars were a part of my aunt was kind of in that group and bill gothard the head of this cult essentially um he just made up a story saying cabbage patch dolls were evil and that (laughs) there was like a witch who created them and was like putting curses inside Cabbage Patch dolls. Wow. That is my understanding. And I never knew this until recently that he felt that way. So I feel like my mom just being adjacent may have heard something from her sister and just believed it. And so then we weren't allowed, like, I don't think my mom really knew why it was just like, I don't know. I'm trusting these other people. They said, this is like, you know, going to curse my children. They can't play with Cabbage Patch dolls.
0: Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it wild how something like that can spread so quickly and it has nothing to do with scripture, nothing to do with truth, reality. It's just from a cult leader and all of a sudden trickles down into the Christian. Well,
1: and I think a lot of that too is when you are parenting out of fear and not from the Holy Spirit, you know? Like that fear of these things was greater than their faith in the Holy Spirit. And I mean, it makes sense. Like my parents were young Christians. Like they didn't have that discernment yet. And I think about myself, even being a lifelong Christian, I'm like, wow, how many things are my kids going to look back on and be like, wow, my parents did not have good discernment for that. You know, like, I'm sure there will be tons of things.
0: You can chew on any side of your mouth that you want. I you can. Don't I can.
1: It's okay. Um oh, man. Okay. Yes. But back to the burn service though, yes. I... Yeah, so I burned a uh, a Faith Hill CD that I loved.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, I oh, look she's back. she's so good. I know. I look back
1: <laughs> and, and think, wow, that was sad. But also still, like, that was still a moment, though, where it was like, no, this is really what I believe. Like, this is a marked mm-hmm. turn of, like, my faith journey. Like, I'm going to take some ownership of this.
0: So for you, it came from a, a real place of loving Jesus and really wanting to mm-hmm. be serious about your faith. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Even though I feel like I didn't have to burn Faith Hill CD. Um right. the heart behind everything I think was still like a nice uh
0: moment, you know. Right, right. Yeah. You're taking a stand and yeah, you were in the in the culture of that youth group, it seemed like it was something that was good at the time.
1: Yeah, and I honestly don't even know if other people had the whole um like, I don't know if the youth group was as extreme about secular music of all kinds. It was just for me, like, I felt like that was something that, you know, I spent a lot of hours, like, watching country music uh, music videos mm-hmm. because that was the thing back then. CMT? Yeah, I watched it all. And what's so funny is <laughs> I don't even VH1. like country music now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I
0: mean, there was definitely some... Some bad stuff on MTV, VH1. Well, MTV was
1: definitely not like that was a no. Yeah. Um, but country music, for whatever reason, was just more acceptable.
0: Yeah. Can I tell you a memory that I had of MTV yeah. when I was a kid? I mean, I'm sure I wasn't allowed to watch it, but right. for some reason I found myself watching it, <laughs> yeah. it as a little rebel. I saw Marilyn Manson um, oh, wow. in a concert and um, he had a Bible And he was ripping pages out of the Bible on the stage with, like, you know, all the music going and, like, um, everyone was cheering. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to have been pretty young. Mm -hmm. And, like, I felt so sad. Like, extremely broken. I think I may have cried. Like, something in my soul was just broken hearted. Yeah. When I saw this famous person super weird looking, super Mm -hmm. freaky looking. You know, I knew he was like, you know, bad news or whatever. I knew I wasn't supposed to be watching the channel anyway. (laughs) Right. But it was like something about that just broke my heart. And I was just in shock that someone would tear pages out of a Bible and that a whole crowd of people would be cheering about it. It was like, oh, it was dark and it was so dark to me. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know why I just had that memory. (laughs) (laughs) really have to be careful what our kids are watching yeah definitely which is why i never
1: fault my like i appreciate honestly Mm -hmm. like i'd much rather than be more extreme than not extreme
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um when it comes to like guarding that stuff at a young age Mm -hmm. because you know i didn't have understanding or discernment or you know Right. any way to judge what i should or should not be watching outside of my parents so right. i like we give them a really hard time about not watching like scooby doo or whatever <laughs> but like i appreciate it that
0: magic bus <laughs> that haunted house
1: you know, well, Magic School around. Bus was fine. The magic thing really breaks down when you get into it. But you know, yeah. Disney magic and Miss Frizzle—they were fine,
0: right? C.S. Lewis and Tolkien have always oh, been fine. They've always been fine, yeah. Right. Well,
1: because right. they were Christians. Everybody so else, it's no. fine. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm sure a lot of people agree and disagree with some of the things we're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Bless everybody, Lord. Okay. <laughs> So you grew up in a big family. I just have a question about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you ever feel like lost in the shuffle? I mean, you're saying that you felt like you guys had so, like, such a full, rich childhood. Did you ever feel like it was just, like, you were just a tiny little, like, sitting in the corner somewhere and no one ever paid attention to you or did you <laughs> like, um, Were there? was it just like <laughs> overwhelming to have that many siblings or did you feel like I never felt you...
1: overwhelmed by the number of siblings, but I think you just kind of like the only world you ever knew was the world of chaos. So yeah. you <laughs> kind of just thrive in it. But I definitely, as I got older and just being, you know, like a teenage girl, I was really in my feelings about how I was the black sheep of the family <laughs> and nobody, would listen to me like my speaking voice is just quieter than everyone else's and everybody's loud and boisterous and has very strong personalities. So I definitely felt like I would get ignored sometimes when I talked, but you know, like I would be annoyed in the moment, but then also it'd be like, well, whatever. It's like, they just couldn't hear me.
0: (laughs) They're not actually ignoring me. Also it could be that just teenage... Drama. Oh,
1: there was a lot of that. Shaded like, I leaned gone. in hard. Josh <laughs> found some of my journals around that time, and I was like, oh, my God, why didn't I burn those? Like,
0: Yes, exactly. They were terrible.
1: Yeah, he was dying. Like, you know, the songs I was writing were so right. depressing. And I was like, "Cut!" <laughs> my life was not that sad. Like You
0: were writing songs? Yeah, I did.
1: Yeah. Well, and that added to the black sheep thing, because pretty much no one in my family is like musical. Mm-hmm. I have one older brother who plays instruments, but he doesn't sing. Um and so yeah. I yeah I was kind of like a lone wolf in a sea of athletes and yes. I played sports and enjoyed yeah. sports but I was definitely not a a standout star you know like a lot of them were um so I think I felt a little like I don't know what to do with this yeah um and my parents didn't either <laughs> but you found but I had your voice
0: yeah with the mic in church
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely had that outlet, which I think helped, you know.
0: Which, by the way, you have such an incredible voice, (laughs) and I just want to hear you sing every day. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. So when did you get baptized? Uh, I don't
1: know what age. Elementary school? It was definitely elementary school, because I went to a very small church from the time I was born till fifth or sixth grade, somewhere in there. And then we left and went to a much bigger church in town. Um, And it was at some point, I like I can picture it. I remember having to wear this big t-shirt. My sisters, Candace and Kendall, were there. We all got baptized at the same time. And it was like, uh, you know, one of the classic little baptismals that are like behind the stage, mm-hmm. you know, like a little bit higher up. So I remember the day I just, I, like I could not tell you for the life of me how old I was or anything. Right. It more was just to so that context. part of your life. It
0: was just like, you knew that you were saved. You had a relationship.
1: Yeah. Although, was... I mean, I do, I feel like because I don't have as much clear memory about the baptism, I feel a little bit like, I don't know, that I want that for my kids. Like, I think I want it to be a little bit more of a moment, but then I also, I'm like, but you can't like judge when someone is saved or when they're not saved. And I think some of that just, I mean, I overthink a lot of things, but kind of just digging into like the theology of baptism, I think will help me kind of form more of an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think that I would, like, consider re-baptizing. Like, it's not, like, that kind of thing. Like, I definitely think it was a moment and I was saved and all that. But I wish that it would have been more of a an Ebenezer stone, if you will. <laughs> like, something like a, that I could remember more.
0: Like an Because I
1: think, yeah, well, yeah. and in the early church, it was, like, this is what marks you as a part of this community and you're really brought into the fold. And it's, like, someone who you would not be allowed to sit at the table with, like you couldn't eat a meal with them. Like they get baptized and that's the mark that now you like break bread together. Like I feel like I didn't have that kind of moment. And obviously as the church has changed, it's gonna not have the same context, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I wish I would have had a little bit more of like memory of it. Yeah.
0: I can relate to you in this because I also accepted Jesus in my heart at an extremely young age. Mm -hmm. Like I think in my story I was telling Lyle, you know, my mom told me that I accepted Jesus when I was three. Mm. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry that, that you know, <laughs> yeah. how, how could that have yeah. been, you know, but maybe it was, I don't know. Like God says, Jesus says, you know, come to me like little children. And mm-hmm. I also can never really remember a moment where I didn't believe. Yeah. Um, and I think I walked, f- and I think because of that, I doubted my salvation mm. because I didn't have that, like extreme, you know, rebellious life and then have this grand repentance mm-hmm. type of event. Yeah. I doubted my salvation as a kid because I was like, oh, you know, is it real? Maybe I need to walk forward again. Yeah. Um, and I, I walked forward many times, I think. And mm-hmm. I think I actually got baptized a few times because I wasn't sure if yeah. it was real, but mm-hmm. it was. And so mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. And yeah, um, I also agree with you, like since we had that experience, maybe we, maybe it'll help us teach our kids, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe you're not quite ready yet, but let's keep talking about it.
1: Yeah. And I remember them, like they did have like a, a little class that we had to go to before we got baptized and they, they really wanted us to like know what we were doing. Um, so I don't like fault any, like our children's pastor, anybody, Like that um, for me not kind of remembering, I think just with my kids, I might want them to like fully be able to explain it to me without me asking them first. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. I mean?
0: Right. Um, What was, so we talked a little bit about middle school. What was, what was high school like for you?
1: Yeah. Um, So starting in that like middle school point after I got saved, or didn't get saved, but, like, had that kind of, like, foundational, like, turning point. I think because of the environment I was in and my personality, I was, like, hardcore extreme. Like, everything was black and white. Like, there is good. There is bad. You people are bad. (laughs) You people are good. Like, I went into high school more with that, like, mentality. But I also think that some of that time is when things started to kind of change or soften. I mean, I definitely, um, well, I, so I played a lot of sports like freshman and sophomore year. I was playing year round volleyball, soccer, softball. And then I kind of felt like as much as I'm enjoying these things, there were other gifts or like singing that I like wanted to do and couldn't do. Um, so I decided to quit everything, except I did end up playing soccer the next year, and then got roped into tennis my senior year. <laughs> but you know, um, but I basically stopped playing sports so that I could be more involved in the church, and I really just felt like that's where I wanted to to be, and that was a place that I could you know grow my gifts. And we were at a very large church, so our youth group had at one point hundreds of kids. Wow. Um, we had two youth pastors, one of which was Marshall for a time. Um, so yeah, that experience, I feel like there was so many, um, like amazing trips and things that, you know, happened in high school, um, uh, being involved in the youth group, having more time to go. Cause when you're playing sports, like we had youth group on Wednesday nights, we had a service and, you know, I'd miss like more than half of them because there'd be a game or something. Um, and then obviously I didn't have time to like serve on a team, but I was a lot more involved in a lot of different like creative areas in high school. And then when Marshall came on as a youth pastor, um, that was the first time that I had really been introduced to theology. Like, I don't think I heard that word before, I didn't have an understanding of like there's history here that <laughs> you can study the old testament like to me it was like a a new door was opened to see that there's like things that you learn in school like i remember being in junior year um taking ap lit or ap lang one of those like classes, and you know, you're learning how to like study literature or you know interpret like books and texts. And I was like, wait a minute, like all of this stuff like applies to the Bible. Like these are all ancient texts and books that were written, um, and you can think about it in a logical way, which mm-hmm. I think is just not super present in a charismatic circle. Right. Not that people don't or aren't intellectual; it's just not at the forefront. Um, yeah, so high school was a very interesting time, I feel like, in my faith of, like, figuring out, like, still being so sure of what I believed and, um, wanting to be, like, a little bit radical in that sense, but also, like, starting to kind of be introduced to other ideas within Orthodox Christianity um, and then also like what does that look like when I am playing sports and like there's people that are not like me on these teams and I went to schools that had a lot of people that looked very different from very different walks of life, had very different home lives. Like I went to schools that people will not send their kids to, (laughs) Title I schools, And I think that I learned a lot from that, like seeing people that didn't look like me. I think that it's really like shaped how I view people. Um, But it was kind of a hard thing. Like I remember having a girl that I played softball with and we were like really good friends. Like we didn't really hang out outside of school, but as far as school was concerned, like we were really close. And I remember hearing everyone else around me talk about her coming out as being gay and she didn't tell me. And when I like asked her about it, she was like, well, I just like know what you believe. And I just didn't think you would want to be like friends or she just, she thought like the dynamic was definitely going to change. And I think that moment probably was one that like really stuck with me about like, as much as I am firm in what I believe there has to be grace added to the situation. Like Mm -hmm. if I want to be salt and light in my sphere of influence, like with this friend, with anybody else, like you have to have room for nuance. And I think just with like maturity and age and some of those situations, like that started slowly happening. And I think um, like high school is when it was just like slowly a little bit more each year, each year like more grace and being exposed to other um theological viewpoints and ideas. And I remember like reading a Mark Driscoll book and I think Marshall is the one who like mentioned him, but said like, you know, I don't agree with everything that he says, but you'll definitely like think more about what you believe when you read someone that you don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I remember that kind of like transition of, uh, starting to think more. And I definitely, had a thought in high school, like, I don't think that I fit in this, like, charismatic circle anymore. Um, when I graduate high school, like, I'm for sure going to go to another church. But then by the time I, like, started my senior year, um, there was just, like, more changes that were happening at the church, and I just kind of felt like God was like, no you're not, (laughs) you're not going anywhere. And I really like value that time, especially like there was a big transition in the church and things kind of split, but then it was a lot smaller and I had like a real community. And I think that that is, um, kind of invaluable. And like, there are people that are still in our lives today. You know, Marshall is my pastor today Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, Sarah, his wife, I I've known her since I was born, you know, (laughs) like these people have been in our lives. And, um, yeah, I think that God always knows what he's doing and, you know, Mm -hmm. where he leads you. And, like, I definitely remember, like, that thought, though, of, yeah, I'm for sure going to leave. And then he was like, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate you talking about that friend Mm -hmm. that you had and how... Um, that's, I can see how that would be a very defining moment as you're like coming into a little bit older age, like you've, you've been a Christian your whole life, but now you're faced with a decision like, Mm -hmm. okay, I am friends with this girl. Mm -hmm. I am a Christian. So how am I going to handle it? You know, Mm -hmm. am I going to, am I going to shun her and stop being friends with her? Or am I going to love her and respect her Mm -hmm. and be her friend and be the salt and light? Yeah. I really commend you for that and good for you for like being Jesus to her and actually being her friend. Well, I hope
1: that I was, you know, right. I mean, obviously I was her friend and I think she knew where I stood, but I obviously wanted her to know, like, just because I feel this way about this issue doesn't change that. I care about you as a human being and like our friendship. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely think that makes you kind of have to like, think a little bit more deeply about what you're saying, what you're doing and how you're treating people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's right.
0: A lot of, I feel like what happens in a lot of Christian culture is the black and white thinking of Mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, it has to be, um, you know, it, so, okay, let me be careful here. (laughs) we have to be in the world. Mm -hmm. We, we are not called to be of the world, right? Mm -hmm. We're called to be set apart. But I really like what you said that, um, we, we can't have, um, influence in the world if we run away from Mm -hmm. lost people. Yeah. And if we disrespect lost people, um, obviously there's discernment you know, if, mm-hmm. you know, iron iron does sharpen iron, we need to make sure that we are solid in our faith, yeah. that um, a lost friend is not going to have a high influence and bring us down or bring us away from our faith. Yeah. But we can't, like, we we have to be friends with lost people. Yeah. We have to. Jesus was. Mm-hmm. So much so that he was accused of being a drunkard and a sinner yeah. with them. Sinnered. Sinner. <laughs> yeah. With them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I want to, I want to make sure that, um, my phone has a lot of numbers in it of people who are unsaved. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that my Facebook friends are not just Christian people. I want to make sure that I'm friends with everybody in my workplace that I come into contact with Mm -hmm. no matter what they believe and no matter what they do or who they are. I mean, that's the sphere of influence that God has given me. Mm-hmm. And if I shut my ears and eyes to these people around me, that guys specifically placed in my life, mm-hmm. how in the world are they supposed to hear the good news? Yeah.
1: Well, and I definitely think there's a difference between like your inner circle where you, you know, trust and value their advice. You let them speak into your life. Like, you know, Jesus had his 12 disciples That's that right. were that group for him. Um, but like you said, that doesn't mean that just because your your close circle should be people that you trust. Mm-hmm. And th- that doesn't mean that they think the same about everything. We but don't think
0: the same about everything. No,
1: we've had plenty of discussions <laughs> about our differences. But also, like, the core things are the same. That's right. Um, and I think that's what's important for that core group. And then beyond that, you know, like, being open, being able to listen to people. I think that was one of the things that I – definitely changed a lot was like, I was very, um, because I was so sure of everything and like confident of what I believed and like, just felt like, you know, like there is this like zeal when you start to like fully kind of understand a little bit more and then even, you know, just whatever culture you're in. And I feel like I, uh, I wanted to like argue my point. I wanted to like convince people of what I thought, And as much as I still want people (laughs) to believe in Christ, I feel like the best way to do that is to listen, let people tell their stories, let them Mm -hmm. ask them questions, be curious. You know, Um, I had a lot of Mormon friends when I played tennis in high school, which I also think was kind of a God thing. Like I had a psychology teacher who was a really strong Christian and we really bonded and she convinced me to play tennis because she was the tennis coach and she was trying to start a program. And because she was starting it, there was no one who'd ever played any sport before, but it was a bunch (laughs) of like Mormons who were friends. So they decided to play together and I got really, yeah, yeah. but I got really close with a friend and I feel like I would always like ask a lot of questions. And mm-hmm. since then, like I've been super interested in Mormonism. Like I could tell you a lot about it, Yeah, but, and a lot of that, that I've studied in people who have more experience actually witnessing to Mormons and stuff, you know, the first thing they say is like, you have to ask questions because even if they say they're Mormon, like no two Mormons think the same way. Their theologies mm-hmm. are different. And like, they're just with anybody in life, you know, there's there's so many differences, and if we just give people the opportunity to talk, if you, you know, are n- actually curious and not just like
0: mm-hmm.
1: polite curious or you know pretending to be curious, then people Have an will. an agenda. That, yeah, that, they'll they'll yeah. open up, and I think that like provides a genuine avenue.
0: The relationship. Yeah. The friendship. Yeah. yeah. The trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. One really of you're curious
1: about someone else it kind of invites them to be curious about you. Mm-hmm. And then that opens the door. Right. Like I've had a lot of conversations in my job. I mean, I, I work as a hairstylist. Like there's not a lot of, a. there's not a strong Christian community in most salons in Tallahassee. <laughs> what most people know about salons in Tallahassee, thankfully not mine, but you know, a lot of stylists use cocaine. That's like a normal thing, whatever. Really? Yeah. I oh didn't yeah. Know that. Well, yes. It's a good thing you're cutting my hair. <laughs> I think it's probably calmed down a little bit with some of like the bigger well-known salons. But I mean, the salon that I currently work at before my boss bought it, I mean, we looked at the old boss's like notebook where she was writing people up and somebody did a line of coke in front of a client. Like Oh
0: my goodness. It's a wild, it's the
1: wild, wild west out there. <laughs> <laughs> but you sure know, <laughs> I'm I'm in a space where there's a lot of people who don't think like me. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like there's Same. been so many times that I've just like asked a question. Somebody mentioned something about like a ghost. And I was like, well, what do you think about that? (laughs) And then like you just, and I, I'm honestly curious, like what, what is your explanation for some of these things that happen or they're supernatural or, you know, there's a huge, like new age ideas that are kind of like infiltrating society. Um, you know, like society has moved post-Christian and now it's all spiritual Mm -hmm. and not actually, you know, Like, so where is that morality coming from? Like, why do you believe a crystal has value? And most people can't tell you, but like... I read it on Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, but the thing is, a lot of people are believing in crystals, but they don't know why they believe in crystals. The original belief is that the divine is in everything. God is in everything. So that's why this crystal, like nature has healing power, because nature essentially is God. Gotcha. But... They don't know that. Right, right. <laughs> and so then, like, when you start pressing people, and it's also, like, a habit I try to do for myself, especially because of, like, how extreme I've been another time, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I never want to think that, like, I actually have it figured out, mm-hmm. you know? Because I don't, and there's so much that I don't know, and that could change, and the Holy Spirit could change, you know? Who I am today is not who I was five years ago or five years before that, and yeah, so it forces you to kind of like really evaluate like, well, why I'm very much a why person. (laughs) Like, why do I actually believe this? Like, what is the core? Mm -hmm. And I think in parenting too, I feel like it's been kind of funny, like how much I've had, um, probably a reminder, but like realizing why we do very basic things. Like there's so many basics of like, you know, don't hit people. Well, like Why? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I want to hit Could, their mommy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, because that's sin nature, like, that's not really an answer. Like, we don't hit people or try to harm other people because they literally are the image of God. Like, we're right. made in the image of God. Do unto others as you would have them yeah, and, you? And, and do. Yeah. And I feel want like to hit you <laughs> don't hit them? some of those ideas seem so, like, well, that's basic. But then, like, having that understanding, like, totally changes the way that I talk about things
0: mm-hmm. to my kids
1: and to myself. Like,
0: yeah, you know. Our biggest thing with Stanley right now is just attitude. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot of that is it's Mm nonverbal, right? So Justin and I are are working really hard on how to teach him about his heart and his attitude. Yeah. And so that's a really tough one. It's really like you're saying, it's really made me think, how can I explain the peace of God? Yeah. That, that you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, these are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And Mm so it's evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. So what I've come up with for now is (laughs) you can have patience. You can have peace because you have the Holy Spirit inside your heart. And even when you don't feel peaceful, you can pray and ask God to help you feel peaceful about Mm -hmm. getting your shoes on and getting in the car. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, and then it tests the you to know like, am I modeling <laughs> the fact right. that the Holy Spirit has given me peace? You know, like
0: eh, 40 out of 60. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> let me model grace to
0: you. I'm really great
1: at modeling grace. Can I send you those for myself? texts at the
0: end of the day? Of <laughs> yeah. Talking about my parenting journey today, that you know. Yes. That is so good. I really commend you for that. I understand your, your difference in high school where you're saying it's like, okay, you came from this strong charismatic background. You're seeing things as black and white. You want to be all for Jesus, but then it's like, okay, let's also consider how this in real relationship time and in real relationship conversations, how does this transfer to sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and actually, you know, yeah, I'm I'm super passionate about this, but why? Yeah. You know, what is the what does the textbook say here? Yeah. What does the word say? Um, and I, I've always appreciated that about you is that you will do your homework. You're super smart. You'll always do the digging, the research, and Thank you. it's, I know I can always <laughs> count on you for that. <laughs> yeah. If you want a good theological discussion, yeah. I'm all yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about yeah. hair and then we'll talk about, um, the Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: honestly, it is so funny. I'm like that. I have a lot of clients who are like, friends of mine or I've known for a while and some of them are like way more open about stuff and it's just so funny how many conversations I'm like I wonder what these other stylists are like hearing or thinking or feeling because like we'll get into some serious like complementarian versus egalitarian like I have one client and I'm like okay let's maybe maybe not appropriate in this bring setting it, bring it back like a couple yeah steps. <laughs> we're both saved I don't need a witness to you now yeah but that's so good. Yeah. yeah. I've
0: had to like lower my voice sometimes <laughs> when I'm in your chair because I'm like, Oh no, I don't want to be a freak right now. Like talking about yeah. all this, you know, nuanced stuff when yeah. there's probably unsafe people listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have to, it's like knowing that's another good topic because, like listening to the Holy spirit, knowing, um, when is the right time mm-hmm. to delve into these topics with mm-hmm. friends uh, lost friends yeah you know um knowing um that there's a time for everything there's a time to be silent and mm-hmm. um there's a time to um, listen to the holy spirit and open your mouth when it's the right time What was college like? So
1: I I feel like college, really, it didn't feel that different. Like, I was still working the same job, hanging out with the same friends, going to the same church. And I do feel like, thank God for Chick-fil-A, because that really was more of my college experience. Like, I had all these Mm -hmm. friends who had moved here, some of which I'm still friends with. Um, And, like, I would hang out with them and, like, do... um, I did a Bible study on TCC campus randomly because someone that I met that I was friends with was like, let's go. And then now she's a hairstylist in Orlando and we still are like, cool. you know, social media close, but like, mm-hmm. you know, still talk mm-hmm. and all that. And, um, yeah, so there wasn't like any huge marked difference like after high school early, except, you know, then I got married. Yeah. <laughs> that was the big change. Yeah. Um, but as far as my faith journey, I think it was still kind of that same, slow build of like figuring out what i believed what i thought um and then i didn't leave um christian heritage until what well, i guess it was 2012 like Josh and i were no I, don't, I honestly couldn't tell you what year it was at this point. Yeah. But we... Leaving Christian Heritage was a
0: really big deal for you. Yeah, because you I had, had been there.
1: there from sixth grade till like sometime in my early
0: 20s. Right. So did Pastor Marshall, had he already uh, stepped away from, from that former church or did you leave first? He left first, but we had all kind of, Talked
1: about, like, it was
0: your friend group,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of us had kind of been on the same page. Like, um, Ashlyn Russ, yeah, uh, Matt Momo, Becky Derenberger, yeah, like
0: lots of Red Hills people, yes.
1: Like, we had kind of talked, um, about just the direction the church was going. Like, it could have gone one way. Like, I feel like a lot of us, like, a lot of young people were running every ministry in the church, um which I don't necessarily think was a great thing. Um, But it was like we were doing all of the actual work in the church but then didn't actually have a say in, like, what the board wanted to do or some of those sorts of things. Um, And I also, like I said, I just felt like they wanted to go more traditional Pentecostal, and I had already felt like that's not where I was. Um, So all of us kind of felt like it was more of a natural, like, we're not on the same page anymore. Like this is, you know, it's totally fine if you guys want to be with like-minded people of the same theology. And, you know, we didn't necessarily feel that way anymore. Um, so we had gone and visited just a couple churches and then Marshall was like, "Hey, I'm starting a church. (laughs) (laughs) So we were like, we're there. And then, yeah. So we met with just you know, a few other people, Chad Christie and some of the other people we named in Marshall's living room. And that was like officially the first Red Hills meeting.
0: That's so neat.
1: Um, yeah. And I feel like it is so crazy thinking about like how long it's been since then and how much the church has grown, how much we've grown. I mean, we've had three kids since then, you yeah. know, we got married as Red Hills members. I think we were the first official like Red Hills marriage or whatever. Oh, how cool. Um, yeah and I I think I was talking to my mom about this the other day she was saying like when they started coming to the church and she's like well it couldn't have been that long and I was like oh no because we before the American Legion we were or before the theater we were at American Legion and Zumba with Randy and before that and you know the Nybergs and then we were at uh Zumba with Randy and or uh at Marshall's whatever we went to like so many different places right um yeah, but... We
0: started at uh, American Legion at Lake Ella. That was okay. our first time. And yeah. I sobbed the entire time. Mm-hmm. You could just see me as the weird girl crying. But, but that's <laughs> yeah. not uncommon for me at church anyway. Yeah. I am, Ashley. I think I've been Chick-fil-A, <laughs> Chick-fil-A that one time. I just love Jesus. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So we had, I would say, like, just kind of a magical time of, like, super intimate church. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: And I don't think everyone gets to kind of, like, experience that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that really, like, helps ground you. And I think that, like, really breeds that community. Like, even when I was a kid, I said, you know, we went to a smaller church when I was super young. And there were a lot of um, big families that went to the church. But, that you know, there was, like, a core group that are still, like, my family today. Like, we're still super close to them. And, like, what I remember from that time of life and those families is just, like, the community that we had, the support that we had. Um, My parents had seven kids and no family around. And, like, you know, those were just our people. And my brother married one of the other kids that I grew up with who, like, would have been my sister anyway. And now it just gets to be official, you know? Like, And I feel like looking at that, like, that's what I wanted for my kids. And we kind of, like had that like automatically built in from such a small like intimate uh church which I'm like super excited that Red Hills has grown a lot obviously (laughs) um I think it's incredible but it's also you know like I'll always treasure that time when it was you know small but that's also because I don't love huge crowds
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah <laughs> that's awesome. It's so cool to think of um Red hills starting from the very beginning, and you and Josh were there. That's really cool to think about yeah. yeah so um where are you now uh where are you and Josh now um looking back um you know where do you see the the bright light of Jesus on your
1: life?-hmm yeah I mean, I think we obviously have been blessed with three kids we have so much like goodness in our life um but I think that you know his faithfulness just it's in like so many small mundane things that are the things that really matter like I don't know that there's some like big story that I could tell or there hasn't been some like major miracle, but you know, like we're coming up on nine years of marriage in November. Like that's a miracle. Like we had nine years committed to each other and, um, been able to like keep growing our family. Um, and I think, you know, even like you said, being able to like be at a church from like the very first meeting and like have that kind of experience has been cool. Um, And then just, like, I'd say where I am, like, faith-wise now, I think I have leaned in extra hard to the analytical side of things or, like, just there's even more that I did. Like, I feel like I'm always just exposed to even more that I didn't know. And I think there's been a lot of movement to um, deconstruct or leave the church or kind of question the the morals of the church. Um, and I think that's kind of like led me to really look more at, uh, different options within theology and like defending that, like, which I guess that sounds kind of weird, but like, I think that if some, if at some point someone told me when I was younger, um, like, Hey, here's four different options of what you could believe about the end times or something, you know? Like, our youth group for a while was, like, pretty hardcore focused on the end times. So for about 10 years, I did not even want to hear (laughs) the word revelation. (laughs) Like, legitimately, I don't think I could. Um, But, like, I found some people on social media that exposed me to things. And then I like read other books and other authors. And like, then you just kind of go down the rabbit trail and find a million podcasts that I can listen to. And, um, yeah, I think that if I had known there were other options, then I wouldn't have been so afraid to like, study it, you know, or like for people who are deconstructing and there's been like even some family members who have been kind of struggling with some of those questions, not necessarily at a point where they're like, you know, ready to leave the faith or question the faith. But I find so many people, which if you don't know what deconstruction is, it's kind of just a a movement of questioning everything. Like to me, it feels like a lot of people when they use that term, um, They're questioning the faith, but they really just want to live in the questions. And I feel like there are so many answers Mm -hmm. to so many of those questions. Like,
0: like keep finding, like people don't
1: trust the, like, how do we know we can trust the Bible? We have a lot of evidence and things that we can show you on how the Bible was canonized. And even if you like want to throw the Apocrypha in there, talk about, you know, why the Catholic Bible has it and Protestant Bibles don't like there's history that can tell you that and you Mm -hmm. can decide for yourself, like, okay, do you want to believe that that is canon or not, you know, based on that, but that you don't throw everything out. And like, there's so many questions like that, that I feel like people are wrestling with and struggling and there's answers and there's another option. Mm -hmm. But even today I was listening to, uh, or I like subscribe to a theology website, basically that has a bunch of videos, um, and I was doing, going through like the church history one and they talked about, um, the Romans really believed that Christians were like morally corrupt and evil for their beliefs because the, the cult of the Roman empire and the, the Caesar being a God was such a, uh, intrinsic value to their society. And it really struck me like, that's kind of the moment we are in and, western civilization and america definitely it's like what god has called good Mm. (laughs) is considered morally corrupt like if i don't affirm same-sex marriage or a same-sex relationship then i am morally evil i am attacking these people if you know some of these other really controversial hot button topics you know like if i don't agree with what culture is saying then that makes me a morally bad person and I really feel very strongly to like kind of push against that. And I've had, I had a conversation, which was so interesting with um, a receptionist at my job where she was talking about her family life. Like her dad was Greek. And so she kind of grew up some in the Greek Orthodox church, but her mom was very much not. And then um, her mom was Catholic So then there was tension between Orthodox and Catholic, and then now her dad's atheist, and she's not a believer at all. And just through our conversations, she told me one day that she and one of our other receptionists were talking about how, like, I actually, they can tell I actually believe the things that I say, and that uh, she said that I gave her faith that there were good Christians again. Goodness. And then it was just, like, one, I feel like now there's so much weight now that I know you're thinking about (laughs) me in this way. But then also, like, wow, like, that that is, like, so sad to me that I'm the first person she's encountered in who knows how long that's, like, given her that sense of a good Christian. But I think a lot of it is because of, like, how extreme we feel in our beliefs and we don't leave space for the fact that like she is an image bearer of God, like whether, whether she believes in him or not. And like being genuinely curious about people will lend itself to those conversations. And then like being genuinely curious about yourself and your own beliefs and really knowing why you believe what you believe. Like I feel like that sets a foundation. Even like church history, that was something that I feel like you know, was definitely not taught in a charismatic church. There may be some, but in my experience, it was not. Um, I heard about the Azusa Street Revival, which was like the starting point of the Pentecostal church, but I didn't even learn about the Reformation, really. Like, I i mean, I maybe heard about it. I didn't know there was a day that people used to celebrate the Reformation. <laughs> like, I didn't know that was a holiday for some people, um, which, you know... I don't celebrate Reparation Day now, but I just, <laughs> I know it exists. Um, but I feel like that church history really grounds you. Like, mm-hmm. even in some of these topics about, like, um, you know, same-sex attraction and all of that, it's like I've seen somebody um, say, like, in love, if you are going to go against what the church has held for 2,000 years, like, that that is a long history and tradition, if you're going to say that that was wrong, then, like, it's actually on you (laughs) to prove that. It's not on me Mm -hmm. to change that. Mm -hmm. And obviously this discussion, like, changes based on if you're talking to someone in the church versus out of the church, but, like, there's still that level of, like, this, but this history, like, I I can feel confident in where the church has landed within Orthodoxy for whatever, like, you know, name a topic. And it's like, well, yes, because for 2,000 years they've been arguing this. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, 1,500 years ago at one of the councils, they decided that was a heresy for a reason. Or like some (laughs) of these things that are brought up, it's like, They're marketed as new ideas, and it's not a new idea. Right, right. Or, you know, a lot of people who are deconstructing really fall into that, like, spirituality. And I think that's, like, one of the biggest things that I've seen in, like, culture is this movement to feeling spiritual but not being religious. Mm -hmm. But, like, if, if you claim to be a Christian and you say, like, well, I believe in the cosmic Christ as someone like Richard Rohr who is technically a Catholic priest but is preaching that like there's a universal Christ that's kind of like in everything it's like well that's not Orthodox Christianity Mm -hmm. like it is different and Mm -hmm. having that like foundation prevents you from like you know thinking that shiny new thing is cool and interesting, and maybe that's the, the answer. It's like, well, it's not new. <laughs>
0: yeah, and because an important person said it doesn't mean that it's true yeah. either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which is how cults start Yeah. and continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know the facts, people. <laughs> Do your research. Yeah. <laughs> go, go to the library, pick up a history book. <laughs> yeah. Read it with the Bible. <laughs> well, and also
1: I've heard... Um, because I do listen to podcasts about cults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
0: do. <laughs> they
1: say all the time, like you don't actually have to know that much about these other cults or different beliefs. Um, you just have to know the original. Like if you're going to spot a counterfeit, you don't have to study all the counterfeits. The way people know if it's a counterfeit bill is because they know the real bill so well mm-hmm. that they can tell if one little thing is off. Mm-hmm. So like when you're thinking about witnessing to other people or talking to people who have different beliefs, you can be genuinely curious and have faith that you're not going to be led astray when you know God so well, you've spent time with him. You've been in his word. Like, you know, the counterfeit, like the Holy spirit is inside of you to tell you like red flag, (laughs) red flag. That's not, that's not me. You know, Mm -hmm. like that is how we can go out in confidence and boldness and be around other people that aren't like us. Because we know him so well.
0: Yeah. We don't have to be afraid of losing our grounding. Yeah. By having these conversations. Yeah. And because we can be kind Mm -hmm. and gentle. Yeah. And loving while we're having these conversations in person with our unsaved friends. Yeah. That is what gives you the clout. Like that is what gives you their ear.
1: Well, even God uses kindness to lead us to repentance. Amen, sister. So, and there's, you know, there's a time and place for everything, and you got to know your audience. But, like, in general, kindness has to be there to some degree,
0: you know? Don't be kind to me if I'm backsliding. You got permission right now. (laughs) Whip me into shape. Yes. (laughs) That's so good. What else would you like to say about God's goodness and faithfulness on your life?
1: I mean, I just feel like he really is good and he really is faithful. Like he really is faithful to the very end. Like there's a, a Corey Asbury song where he says the story isn't over if the story isn't good. And when I first heard it, I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. That's too charismatic. Yeah. But then I was like, actually, you know, like even in death, that story isn't over. That's like, true. I had a friend pass away a couple years ago. We've had other like family members, things happen, and I remember the one friend was around Easter, and at her funeral, like the thing that I kept that kept coming to my mind was like, but like Resurrection Sunday is coming. Like this isn't the end. Like there's a resurrection even for us human. Like we Christians, because of our like faith in in God, in Jesus, like he grafted us in, like we share in the resurrection as much as we share in the the death, like the persecution, mm-hmm. um, like the death is not the end of the story for Jesus or for us. And, and that's some good news. The story, yes. if it's not, if the ending's not good, it's not over yet. Right. Whether we have to wait till the other side of eternity to see that goodness, like he really is faithful to his word. And we'll see that goodness on the other side. That's good. Yeah. Bridget. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I am so grateful for you. And for Josh. Yeah. And I'm thankful for Justin right now because he is <laughs> taking been care of five, five children. <laughs> children. for the last because Josh is oh. keeping our community safe. <laughs> yes. Because Josh is a good cop. Yes. <laughs> Out there on the streets of Tallahassee. We thank you for your service, Josh. And Justin, we thank you for your service <laughs> to the children. <laughs> to the children. <laughs> I yes. children the- <laughs> um so I can't wait to grow old with you, my friend, Me too. and just, you know, keep, we're going
1: to be the old ladies on the porch, like (laughs) drinking, yeah, drinking coffee or tea or whatever, still talking about, you know, well, women can do this in ministry. (laughs) Uh, Talking theology.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I really, that's another thing I really appreciate you is because, you know, we don't agree on all of the, you know, and I like how Pastor Marshall calls them national borders and state borders. Like mm-hmm. national border mm-hmm. topics are okay, like the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. Like yeah. Jesus Christ, the Messiah is the, you know, the way, the truth of life. Yeah, the, the only. I say way. the
1: first tier, like this is if you don't first believe tier. these things, it's heresy. Like you, this right, is right. you are not Christian
0: if you can't believe yeah, in yeah. these things. Yeah, and then second tier or state border <laughs> you're like, okay, you know. Uh, you know, complementarian, egalitarian, mm-hmm. um, speaking tongues versus not speaking in tongues. Right. Um, carpet's blue, carpet's red. Mm-hmm. That's a third tier. <laughs> I, I put three
1: tiers in. The second tier is like things that matter as far as how you walk out your, yeah. your walk. But like, you know, you can disagree and recognize like we're still close. We're still That's Christians. Right. Third tier is like, okay, this doesn't really matter, but like it's it's fun to think about or like you know you're interested in the carpet color cool part
0: my hair in the middle or do i part my hair <laughs> on the side on the left?
1: <laughs> am i a millennial or am i trying to be Zen Z?
0: <laughs> I can't be Gen Z. yeah i miss the boat <laughs> <laughs> all right my friend well thank you so much Thanks for sharing for your story with me. us you're just an amazing woman and friend wife mom and i'm so happy to know you me too I love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.